1: Spare. let
2: down, the choke. These are words Atlanta sports fans
1: are all too used to hearing. Chopper out to Danjby. Until now. No now. throws to first base. Is this happening? No it more is.
2: negative expectations. No more champions. playing the victim. No
1: the more fair weather free
0: No more.
1: Field goal by Morton Anderson. The hold, the kick, it's on the way, it's up and it going. The Falcons are going to the yeah. Super Bowl!
2: The Falcons are going to the Super Bowl!
1: From the mesmerized studios in Woodstock, Georgia, Believe Entertainment proudly presents Believe in Atlanta Sports with your hosts, Robert Tate, and the commissioner, Mark Rich. Hello, Atlanta sports fans, and welcome back to—I don't know what number this is because I've lost count again. I think it's 46th episode of Believe in Atlanta Sports. I'm your host Robert Taylor, and I've got the Commissioner Mark Rich here, as always, tried and true. He's like old hunting dog. He's always there for you. You know. And uh, we're coming to you on a Monday night. Man, it is rainy out here at GDI Studios, but we've got a really special guest tonight and a very special episode. We're doing Falcons preview. Falcons preview, the season preview, as you know, we've got we got a game coming up soon. They played their last preseason game versus the Steelers, uh, and Mark, if I'm not correct, I was traveling, I was out of town entertaining some friends and having fun with friends, but I got a little glimpse of it. I think the Steelers downed us 24 to nothing. It was, uh yeah, yeah, there were no starters. We're just going to leave it at that. No starters. All right, so without further ado, here we are, Mr. Will McFadden. Will, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well guys. How are you? Oh man, we're wonderful. And I'm just gonna take one second. I know you've already we've already talked about this once, but I still feel so terrible about it because it was just a big cluster from the get go. And I just want to say sorry again. I uh Mark and I were were one or two of us were supposed to take over for Will for a little while when he uh he brought his uh I believe it was your first son, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, that is that is correct. Sometimes. Um he turned eight months old on Wednesday. Yeah, I think it was around December 27th, and he said, Robert, can you t- take over for a bit? And then I had a couple of uh, non-threatening surgeries pop up on me that required rest, and then Mark was going to do it, and then our producer Jenna left Believe, and it was here and there and everywhere, and we just, man, we couldn't make it happen, and I'm real sorry for that, but show's still alive, show's still kicking. You just had uh, Coach Smith on not too long ago, if I'm not mistaken, and uh I guess that's probably my first question uh, of the night. I'm, I'm going to hit you with a real tough one. Uh, I, I, I think the Falcons are going to exceed expectations this year, but the first question I'm going to hit you with after talking to him for a while and having him on your show, do you think Arthur Smith has what it takes to bring a championship to this franchise?
0: Ooh, yeah, that is a, that is a big one right out of the gate there. I he brought <laughs> Yeah, I brought a heater, man you know I will say that that I do and I considered you know him at that level prior to even talking to him on my podcast I, I think that the body of work that he's assembled these last two years you know kind of speaks for itself and I know that the results of those two seasons has not been trips to the playoffs or any kind of on the field accolade, but you know you're you're looking at kind of what he's done with the ingredients that he had to to cook with and he. You know, he really kind of made the most of everything at hand. And this year, in year three, now that they've had the financial resources, it really does feel like this team is made more in the image of what Arthur Smith and his staff are looking for. And so given what we've seen him do with teams that were not kind of like assembled on the fly because they they weren't, but it was, you know, kind of, leftover parts that weren't fully cycled out yet some newer kind of uh more finely tuned specialty parts and and now you're i think getting the full assembly of what should be a very fun team a very balanced team and a very competitive team as we're seeing kind of right now in the process of roster cutdown. so yeah i i think very highly of arthur smith um that being said you know, you're, you're only as good as, as kind of like your last season in this league. So he has outperformed expectation. But this year, the expectation is playoffs and, and probably, you know, being competitive in the playoffs, whether that's, you know, winning one game, kind of at least looking like you, whether they lose that first game or, or what have you like that. I think fans aren't just going to be satisfied with, with getting in. I think you want to see them get in. And then do a little, make a little bit of noise um, once they're in there, and I think they're capable of doing that. We talked about
2: this completely at length, and well, I don't know if we've actually met each other. I'm Mark. <laughs> Mark, it is nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. But we have at length talked about. We like to talk about how people like to jump off bridges on us and and all our major sports. Um, but uh, these last few seasons, while the record's not, you know, something that you want to smile about. He, he has done a lot with uh, a very little and he has exceeded expectations with what we've had and we've had a lot of we read a lot of things about people wanting you know a different coach or Arthur Smith's got to go he doesn't know what he's doing and, and for the both of us we sit back and we're like I, I can't for the life of me understand what what you guys wanted him to do with this like how are you not as elated with what he has done that as we are like it, it, it's crazy to us At certain points and honestly that was something I was I wanted to ask you about earlier but for me I I knew this was going to be the first year he was going to have some money to play with so I had I just went ahead and told myself early on that I was going to have zero expectations you know up until the point where he got to actually be you know coach his team or put his team together and we're still not all the way there but in one offseason and we talk about uh coach Smith but like I feel like it's the combination uh, of Coach Smith and Terry Fontenot together that, you know, you, you just saw in one offseason, like, I, I haven't been this excited about Falcons football in a hot minute. Like, the what they've put together and the people that they went out and got, and they didn't go out and overspend on anybody, and they just went out there and, and they did something to where, you know, we just released Michael Walker the other day, and he started for us last year. You know, that's that's where we're at depth chart-wise. and And it's a tough question to say, you know, can this guy bring us uh, a Super Bowl but I mean uh, the regime thus far like it it looks like we're pushing in that direction and I think that's you know that's a great thing for Falcons fans everywhere
0: I completely agree and I think it's I think it's two parts here the, and they're they're doing what I believe is is something incredibly smart and very simple and, or it sounds very simple but not a lot of people follow that advice is they they know their strengths and they play to them. And for Terry Fong, no, that has always been his background in kind of the pro acquisition space. He's been, his his history is all right, at the pro level, the scouting, the bringing in free agents, and that is what he has done exceptionally well. His background is not through the draft. And so I think that's where you're seeing them take, you know, an approach that that it's, it's certainly led to uh, some interesting picks. I'm, I've loved all their picks, because who doesn't enjoy adding just really fun, offensive weapons? But it it does make sense that they would just go and say, look, this is the most talented player. We're going to take him. And that's a simple way to uh, approach the draft a little bit, and I, I think that that does a good job of allowing Terry know that if he's going to make a calculated risk, do it in the space that you are much more comfortable familiar and talented, and that is defensively, all of the free agent acquisitions that they brought over, I feel very confident, and I think the early returns so far this preseason and in camp are going to show that yes, they hit on some of these more under-the-radar, you know, a Caden Ellis type of of signing. If Jeff Okuda can get back out there and and play well, you know, like, these moves that were relatively low risk could totally reshape this this defense and the fortunes of this team. Um, And then on the other side arthur smith his main strength is, is creativity um and he understands how to use these versatile chess pieces in the most interesting um and creative ways but what i love the most about him and, and his team so far is that each week it seems like they come in with a different game plan tailored to beat that opponent and i was just listening to um a podcast with Blaine Gabbert earlier today, and, and he was talking, or Chase Daniel, sorry, not Blaine Gabbard, uh, Chase Daniel, wrong Missouri quarterback. Um, and he was talking about how Sean Payton was, it was so demanding on the quarterback because each week it was a totally different game plan, playbook, um, play sheet, like just everything changed to match what the opponent was going to do. And I feel like that is a very similar philosophy that Arthur Smith has based on how week to week they seem to kind of have their finger right on the pulse of of their opponent. And if you want to even get more of a macro view of it all, I look back to the whole Matt Ryan, Deshaun Watson, Marcus Mariota period last year. And this was a team in Matt Ryan. When Matt Ryan was here with Arthur Smith in his first season, they threw the ball a lot because it played to the talents and the strengths of the team that they had. So I had to believe that that was going to be a bigger piece of their offense was the passing game, all the way up until Matt Ryan was no longer here, and that kind of happened, you know, not a not early, early on. Um, and so I just think that they did an incredible job of understanding. Okay, what is our best chance to get to seven wins? It's doing something a little bit different than the rest of the league. We're totally going to zag. I'm going to bring in a guy here who knows my plays, my um, terminology he can kind of really quickly get up to speed does some of these weird unique things that we can just build an offense around and they went out and won seven games and that is so impressive to me and again now that they've had an offseason to kind of put those two skills together the Terry Fondo and the Arthur Smith aspect of this I really think that the Falcons could surprise a lot of people um what is going to be a very interesting wrinkle for me personally is seeing how expectations color the way that we do ultimately feel about this team. Because if you remember back in 2015, Kyle Shanahan, another incredibly talented and gifted and creative play caller kind of in, I put Arthur Smith in, in that same mix, but you know, we all know the coaches who would belong in that group. We were all as down on Kyle Shanahan after that 2015 season as anybody could be. People wanted him gone. They did not want him here in 2016. And then it did a complete 180. That was entering a year with expectations very low. This is entering a year with expectations very high for a similar type of play caller. So I'm curious, even if they have maybe, yeah, if the Falcons are 85% of, of something like that historic 2016 offense, are we going to feel that good about it? Or are we going to not feel that good? Like, I'm just curious to see. I don't have an answer. You know, I, that's just
1: a little wrinkle this season that I'm going to have logged away in the back of my brain. I, I, I'm actually uh, curious about a little something. How much blame do you think we can place on Arthur Blank for the whole Matt Ryan, kind of Deshaun Watson debacle? Do you
0: think he uh, was I, kind of I mean, I don't know for, for a fact. Um, but I, I have to believe that any time a decision that is being made at that level that affects certainly that position and a player who more than any player in franchise history, short of Tommy Nobis, is, is probably the face of this franchise. Uh, I don't know if a, a head coach and a general manager in their second offseason are single-handedly – behind a decision like that. But I I do not know the extent to which any other parties would have had um, any input there. But, but I think that for a decision like that and given, you know, not even to mention all of the baggage that came with Deshaun Watson um, and, you know, that does a disservice to the eight is actually committed uh, to just call it baggage. But yeah, I I think that that goes a little bit um, beyond just, just the football front office.
1: All right. Uh, now, I guess that brings me to my next question, and I know the commission, man, he is chomping at the bit. He's got so much to ask and talk about. But let's talk number 10, uh, four-game sample size. What do you expect Ritter to look like as far as how they utilize him in the first – you know, or you think they're just going to kind of trot him out and he's going to manage some games and just kind of stick his feet back in the water a little bit and see if he can swim? Or or do you think, you know, uh, coming in with Carolina, they're just going to pull the ripcord and say, get out there, kid?
0: Um, you know, I, I think that it's going to come along um, a little bit slowly, but I do think kind of what I mentioned earlier about each game plan being tailored to the opponent is going to play some aspects uh, into this. So if the game plan kind of calls for, all right, we really think we can have some success for the air, whether that's week one or week five, I kind of think that, you know, you're in the NFL, you got to be ready to go now we all know that the first month of the season there is still that kind of growing and and ramping up process as arthur smith likes to say but as far as what the offense is going to kind of look like i think you're going to see a lot of passes over the middle field and then they're going to take some of these shots on the boundaries but generally you're going to be seeing a lot of the the stuff that we saw last year is drake london on this 15 yard Big Kyle Pitts, kind of running that that go right behind him um, to to really put the safety in a bind. When the Fal- at least last year, when the Falcons threw the ball, they wanted to take these shots deep. They wanted to. They knew they weren't going to take a lot of them, but if they could connect on enough, that was the path to victory for them. Um, and they did not connect on enough. <laughs> now <laughs> that you know, what are Desmond Ritter's strengths compared to Marcus Mariota's? Um, I think that that will impact some of this, uh, how this offense develops, because we we saw the offense change a little bit over the four-game sample ties that Desmaruiter played in, but by and large, these were uh, this was an offense built for marks um at the start of the year. So I think that, again, you're going to see more of these intermediate passes to some of these deeper passes. They could have a pretty extensive screen game built in with what John Smith does well with um, you know of course pajan and what he's going to add to this and he's going to be I think just more of an offensive weapon than uh you know purely a, a running back or purely kind of a he's just going to be all over the place so I think that Desmond Ritter kind of like uh, a lot of people I don't expect him to try to do too much this offense can be a little bit of a, of a point and shoot offense and if he can just be the the video game character and, and let Arthur Smith kinda, Smith kind of hold the the controller and and just say, all right, right here, it's going to go to to the A button, press the A button after this play fake, and you get the safety to slide over a little bit, and boom, we need it right there right now. If he can do that, I think this offense can really help, um, and and he won't have to do too, too much, just kind of play within the confines of this offense and elevate it when he can. And I think that actually the best way to do that is with his legs. If he can just two or three times a game on a third and three, or even a third and seven you know if, if he because he's got that speed to, to make it a little bit longer but if he can convert a first down kind of by himself we saw the Falcon come up short a number of times on some like fourth and ones last year when, when Marcus Mariota couldn't get the job done that honestly could be the difference in some of these one score games and that could be the difference in them reaching the playoffs and in my opinion that's not asking Deshaun Ritter to do too much it's just trust your natural athleticism and when the defense allows you use that and, and let's let that be the aspect of the game that you really impact,
1: and then otherwise play within the confines and just deliver the ball where it needs to be. I mean, I, I couldn't have said it better. Uh, and I know I'm gonna I'm gonna turn it over here to Mark and let you guys go at it for a minute because I know he's been looking forward to this for a couple of weeks now. When we found out we were gonna have you on, well, I, honestly, just to piggyback on the the question about Ritter.
2: Do you? I, I mean, a lot of people have concerns that we. We've only really seen him for for one drive aside from his four games last year where it was the the trio of rookies versus the world, it seemed like. Um, Do you have an issue with his lack of playing time in the preseason, or do you see it as, you know, just a a calculated risk for less reps but less chance of injury?
0: Um, I personally don't have an issue with that. I have seen teams that have played their starters in every preseason game for at least two series and, and those teams may start out of the gate so in three and then i you know i've seen teams that really kind of take a, a more veteran like veteran laden team they take more of a rest approach kind of in the preseason and then those guys start out hot obviously there can be some causation with that if you've got more veterans like maybe they know the case more. if you're a younger team you want to play them so, I understand that people are saying, look, like these are some young guys. You got Drake London, yeah, you know, Kyle Pitts, Desmond Ritter, Bajon, Like, that's a young core. Are we sure that that they only need to play one game and really just one series? I would argue on that one series, they look pretty sharp. And even considering that they had to overcome several penalties there, they overcame them. That's not normally a, uh, what an offense should look like. And it's first time out there all season uh, let alone in the preseason so I was pleasantly surprised by that there's no telling how that or if that impacted the coach's decision they may have said look we've seen that in practice they came out and backed it up here yeah we didn't score a touchdown I kind of feel like there was fast interference on that play ultimately it doesn't even matter if it's a preseason so who cares like the drive itself was the point not the not the 60 come away with if you punch it in and for that reason, like, I kind of think that in in today's day and age, like teams can probably feel a little bit better about what they script in a practice and their ability to evaluate the players in that fashion, because what the Falcons are going to be doing as a team, I think is going to be a little bit different than a lot of the other teams around the league. So you may get a, a better feel for exactly how your guys can operate through drills that you're going to design for them and put them through rather than, again, you know, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers I- who are trying to fulfill their own objectives and they're coming out with their starters. And it's like, okay, well, so it's 24 to nothing. Like, who cares? It, like, it's just starters against 3rd teamers and that's what's all tricky. And I think the simplest answer I can give, outside of injuries that are long-term injuries that impact the regular season, I give, pretty much zero stock in anything that happens during the preseason. A player can have the preseason of his life I'm still kind of going into the regular season with the same level of expectation that I had going into training camp that's just my philosophy because I think the preseason is something we all get excited about and talk about because it's the first taste of football after the summer drought Uh, but once the regular season starts everybody forgets everything that happened in the preseason so I, I try not to put too too much stock into all of that. Um, if if Devin Ritter had played one more series uh, on on Thursday night or what have you, I, like I I don't think that necessarily changes the way he's going to look uh, in week one in any tangible way. Fair enough. I uh, for me personally, I you know Arthur Smith
2: has you know ingratiated himself with me. He he can do no wrong in my eyes right now. So when I look at I, I just trust him right now. I trust him after seeing what he's done these last two years and, and how we built up to going into this year. And for me to have that much trust in him and, and see that he trusts that one series uh, with the starters out there is what we need going into the regular season without showing anybody anything, Like I, that actually instills a little confidence in me. And you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. When it finally gets here, but like I, I'm actually a little bit more confident because of it. Um, the the crazy thing to me that 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 one drive, we got to see a couple different things, and the one thing that I think that I, I love the most is right before the interception, the play before they got blown dead when uh, when Ritter busted out to the left, he stopped right before right before he crossed the line of scrimmage and tossed it out to Bajani. He could have easily ran that thing in. But he stopped yep. and he gave it to him on the sideline right before it got blown dead. And I like I didn't care about anything. I left at halftime. But after that play and after that drive was over, all I could think about was, man, he stopped and gave that ball up. He stopped and gave that <laughs> ball up. He literally wanted to put him in the end zone, watch this place go nuts, and give him a taste of what's going to happen this year. And man, if you can't tell, I am I. I just haven't felt this energy because I've, I've become the older I get, the more of a realist I become and and as much as i am an optimist as and as much as i i you know i love sports for everything that it is um i just i actually i just feel like reinvigorated about this team like like the old regime and everything like all that stuff is is gone and we're not fully gone but like it it's going away and now we're starting to have a new identity and like you're seeing some of the little things just like just the way those guys are playing together out there stuff like that excites me and so i honestly Either way, like whatever people's opinion uh whatever their opinions are on on whether he should have played more or should not have played more, I trust in in what we have going on right now. So I'm I, I'm glad that he didn't play much. I'm glad that, that we have faith in what we're working with that we didn't need to play him. So I can't I honestly yeah. I just listened to your uh your your top five list yesterday of people you're excited to watch and, and he... He is on mine because I think that while everybody's looking for us to be a run-heavy team and uh, him to be more of a game manager, which, honestly, he, he probably will be to start the season out, I actually think, you know, if if, if our running game got any better than it was last year, that it's going to open things up for him. So whether he's, he's as great or as bad as people think he is, it's going to be wide open for for him to succeed.
0: Yeah, and and game managers can come in all different types of flavors. I, like I, I think that I remember that play vividly. I was in the press box um, for it, and and I was kind of like, was his foot over the line? You know, he was very close to the line of scrimmage because you're right; it was a last second, almost instinctual thing. And he saw uh, Bajan, who was wide open, and w- waltz. I mean, either of them would have. But there's, uh, I played um, rugby for for four years while I was at UGA, and. You know, one of the the key things is you want to get the ball out wide quickly. Not only are your your fastest guys on the wing, and so you you know get it in the best hands in the hands of your best playmaker, but you can also outflank the defense if you move the ball very quickly. The ball will move faster than any one person can, and so that's almost what my first thought was: is like, oh, Deso Ritter, it, whether it's like being selfish or selfless or what what have you um i don't know if that came into it at all i think he was just like look i'm probably gonna score a touchdown here but like we can guarantee that i score a touchdown if i just make what the one more pass right and for me that's a heads up play That's that is uh still being a game manager but just maximizing again not doing too much he's not doing too much to have a six yard little swing pass there on the fly but it just maximizes the chances for the offense in that moment. And the other thing that it does is that we've heard a lot of people say Desmond Ritter has kind of these these leadership qualities, the intangible stuff that some of the best quarterbacks have. That is a great example of, I think, what people are talking about. Because, again, he could have just kind of tucked the ball, put his head down, and, and gone right in for the, the easy score. But he didn't. He got the rookie who everybody there in that building could not wait to see Got on the ball with a chance to score. I mean, with an easy score. And, unfortunately, the challenge flight came out. Uh, Arthur Smith said, you know, maybe he was a little bit late, but he's not. Uh, again, it's preseason. Who cares? Um, but, yeah. It was everything all in one play. I just wish that it had
1: counted. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. Um, man. God, so excited. So, I, so. <laughs> I think one question I want to ask, or one question we all have to ask ourselves is, you know, uh, Desmond's gone through two training caps now. He he got those four games last season. Uh, you know, it, it it could be 50-50. Of, of, you know, if you ask 10 Falcons fans, five will say we would have liked to have seen him more in preseason. I'm with the other five that's like, I don't care. Uh, I I want him out there when it counts. Let's not risk getting him hurt. But how much do you think the game has slowed down for him now? Or do you think he still has a couple little, uh, you know, baby steps to go before he really gets just kind of dialed in and gets that tunnel vision and kind of sees it, sees the field for what it is?
0: Yeah, that's a good question as well. And I I mean, I think that every player is different, right? Ultimately it, he's the only person that can, can answer that. And if we want to talk about Desmond Ritter, Specifically, and and look at kind of the knock on him coming out of of Cincinnati. You know, a really solid career. He's kind of one of these Kellen Moore types who who takes a, a little bit of a uh, an underdog program and and really raises them to the uh, ranks of the nationally relevant. And, and those quarterbacks are all very interesting to me. And, and Desmond Ritter, his uh, resume was very impressive coming out, but the knock was early accuracy in games, kind of regardless of, of where it was in the season. He could be late in the season, mid-season, early week one. You know, He was just a little bit off in kind of the first, second series, sometimes the third series. Once he did settle in, that's when you know he became a, a much more uh, – like he can be extremely accurate at times. And he, he could dice up a, a defense if he was really kind of in the zone. It just took him a little bit of time, like you said, to get dialed in. And so I don't know, is that going to be a, a season-like macro thing where, okay, he's also a slow starter to the season, or is that purely going to be in just each game, every every game of the season, we're going to see him kind of go start 0 for 3. I don't know. Can the coach surely you can game plans and stuff in there, very easy throws to get a player in rhythm. Um, I think that what he has said is is certainly, and the coaches last year as a rookie, really praised his understanding of the playbook. This is going to be a kind of a, we think, a complex offense with a lot of moving parts, at least it was last year. And so he's going to have to be able to digest those and really process, I think, a lot. But some of that motion, a lot of that window dressing can simplify things on the quarterback. So what may look kind of complicated pre-snap may end up making everything much easier post nap for Desro Ritter and that may help everything slow down the, you know, the field to get a little bit bigger. Um, these gigantic receivers he's throwing to seem, you know, like they've eaten the power up mushroom and now they're even even bigger, have a bigger catch radius than than ever before. Maybe he gets in that zone and, and I think Arthur Smith will find ways to and Dave Ragone will find ways to help him. But that is is kind of my big question, honestly. So I, I'm sorry I don't have a great answer for you because only time is, is going to tell but watch him early on in games and I think that will give you a clue to you know how the how he is at least progressing in some of these these habits these repeated muscle memory motions where you you really start to get dialed in as just a professional quarterback and now you're 10 out of 10 on the on the net um
1: that's what I'll be waiting to see is, is his early play Absolutely, I thought, and I, I, everybody's going to have him under a microscope this year, and I think a bit unfairly, yep. but that's just what we have to deal with. Being Atlanta sports fans, is we have this whole population okay. of people that, uh, if things don't go our way right now, immediately we uh, we go looking for cliffs. Uh, you know, we got some lemmings out there in our, our fan base that are just ready to jump at any moment. But uh, now I'm just going to go ahead and we'll just we'll get this one out of the way. Uh, we'll all we'll all take a turn here. Uh, I said a couple of weeks ago what my expectations were for the season. I said, you know, I said eleven and six, and they probably win the division. What say you, Will McFadden? What's your what's your prediction on the season?
0: I believe when I did the exercise back when the schedule first came out, I was also uh, right around eleven and six, and and I, I think I was eleven and six, and and that that feels right still to me. I think. A lot of people in the national media would probably look at this and say this is kind of like maybe a nine and eight team if, if you're being optimistic. Um, I think they're going to surprise some people. They, their schedule is not hard, but like nobody in the NFC South schedule is hard in part because they have to play the NFC South. Um, but I just think that there's definitely past the double digit wins here. And if they get one more on top of that and they, they do reach 11, I definitely think that this team is. Offensively capable of that, I think their defense is going to be the story of the early part of the season because I think a lot of people are going to be very surprised by it. And yes, I think they can start out of the gate pretty hot and, and kind of cruise from there to a uh, to a nice eleven and six record.
2: Eleven and six sounds good to me too. I just said early on, I said I, this is this got double digits written all over it. I didn't pick a single, I didn't a specific number, but I I could see ten, I could see eleven. Uh, I could see a weird situation where it's twelve. You know, it just. But again, we're making these. Uh, for me, it was just a numbers game based on the the amount. What was it, eight games last year uh, that were decided by or that we lost by a touchdown or less, and mm-hmm. and you're figuring a, a much better offense, better defense on paper. Like if we can we can flip four of those, that puts us at eleven. You know, so it, it that's very doable for me. That makes mathematical sense to me, whether it makes, you know, football sense or not. It just, it just makes sense, which is why when they came out with the early odds of, you know, or the over under at like seven games for us, I'm like, well, you, you guys are saying we're going to be, you're betting that we're going to be exactly the same as we were last year. It just, that did not make any sense to me. I just, I don't see a world, I don't see a world where we're under nine. Um, but if we end up at nine wins, I, also, would not surprise me because you're still dealing with a young team and a new team getting put together. So, however we come out of the gates, I think we'll have a lot of a lot to say about how we end the season.
1: Absolutely, I I would agree. Uh, and I, you know, I, I think my next question will be this: uh, Who who's your dark horse this year? Kind of kind of a player that's in camp that could. Uh, and I think it's going to come from the wide receiver position. I don't know who. But just who's that who's that player do you think that's gonna maybe uh come out of nowhere maybe and maybe not out of nowhere but just maybe step up their game elevate their game and maybe be that x factor on each side of the ball we'll go offense and defense who you got
0: yeah okay um, let's start with offense and i mean part of it this would have been a clear answer for me prior to um you know his his recent injury but i, I do think carol hodge whenever he makes it back out on the field um you know if he does and, and hopefully he does but I think that he is set up nicely for a, a little bit of a, a role here in this offense um, and could play uh, a key factor. Like we saw him after those penalties, he was the guy that Desmond Ritter hit right over the middle of the field um, against Cincinnati to kind of move them back into the red zone and get them back to the position to uh, to score there. So I don't know if the like end of the year stats are going to be incredibly gaudy. I just think he's going to be a player who probably caught up and in, including big, moments kind of like a Michael Jenkins or a Brian Finneran, um in, in years past and he could be that type of player Johnny Smith um, you know since Sarah Hodge is injured right now I, I can go with him as, as well I think Johnny Smith is in line for a very fun and interesting season I mean we saw how Michael Pruitt became kind of like a weird fan favorite last year now imagine Johnny Smith in that role and just be upgraded at uh, in the athletic way that that he is I think there's a lot of potential there for that to be fun and then defensively I would have said D Alford but like that doesn't even feel like a dark horse pick anymore like it feels like he's had a breakout preseason after a kind of a breakout season last year for those who were watching him closely so he's I think just gonna be a really again fun player to watch out there so I will say Caden Ellis um, I think that Caden Ellis last year was certainly a breakout, but he was in New Orleans, so not a lot of I think Falcons fans are uh, you know can call up plays from Caden Ellis just out of uh, out of memory. But he looked really solid. I think in his action of the preseason, he looked you know certainly in lockstep with kind of Ryan Nielsen's defense in camp. He's got the range. He's got the athleticism. He's a good pass rusher. Like I think they're just going to use him kind of an always possible. And they've got two of them with with Troy Anderson. So I I could have picked either of, of those linebackers. I'll take Caden Ellis just because we saw a little bit of Troy Anderson last year. So those are that I give you four guys. Sorry, yes for yes for two, but yeah, those are doing enough ball of real estate. Hey, more the better, man. <laughs> That's true. Leave some, leave some players for the rest of us. Uh,
2: Johnu Smith, uh, Johnu Smith is definitely mine on offense. You, uh, you referred to playing chess earlier, and it just seems like you know on a chessboard, every every piece has its own particular movement, except for the queen, which can do just about everything. But I, I feel like we're set up on offense in so many places with with queens everywhere because they can do so many things. Nobody, it's like the NBA out there. There's, it's a positionless offense for us. Because we got Pitts that goes tight end wide receiver. John o. Smith can almost do the exact same thing. Um, Bajan is literally can go anywhere. You know, you have all these options, but I think that like it, it'll be easy to forget about people on this offense. Kadero Hodge could, man, uh, it, with, I mean, Mac Collins is, uh, if, yeah. if he's as advertised, and I'm a small sample size clearly, but. If he's as advertised, that's going to make life easier for literally everybody. And his life is already going to be a little bit easier with Drake and Kyle on the field. But Janu, I, I feel like the addition of Janu, I instantly felt like our red zone threat just went like flip-flopped from not very threatening to quite threatening. Um, so for, for me, he is not, not necessarily a dark horse, but he is what who I'm hoping has a breakout because of what he has around him. Um, you took two of the linebackers that I am like, it's almost a tandem thing for me. Just reading all these articles and listening to them talk about one another and how they, how they, they, they converse after practice to find out why they did the things that they did out there so they can read each other, which was, uh, something that, uh, Caden said he learned, um, from DeMario Davis in New Orleans. But the guy that I want so badly to be the dark horse uh, on that defense is Bud Dupree. I, I would love, love nothing more. I think Katie's going to make the next step, whether that is you know how high that step is. I think he's going to improve. But if Bud Dupree comes in as something people have forgotten about and plays the way that he can play, good lord, th- this defense just gets better and better just thinking about it.
1: Yeah, I, like yeah really I liked him at Kentucky. Loved him at Kentucky.
2: But yeah, so I, I, I mean, honestly, the only thing about Bud Dupree that upsets me is my Georgia guy Lorenzo Carter is behind him on the depth chart now. But who knows? Maybe, <laughs> maybe everybody's legs just say a little bit, little bit more fresh, and everybody, everybody that comes in. I mean, you just look at the the depth chart is so insane to me when they first released the depth chart the people that were on the second string were mostly starters from last year and it, just everything looks good like the dark horses like the idea that like we might actually get to see close to the full potential of Grady Jarrett this year is so exciting like you you can't just reading names names alone it's like you, you know if you if you're doubling Grady this year if you're taking Grady out of the defense this year you're going to pay. We're going to make you pay in some way because of that. Before it was like we take Grady out. We we have a great shot of you know ending them. So I man, so much going on here. Uh, the other dark horse, and I don't know how far up the depth chart that he moves. But man, DeMarco Hellums, <laughs> that could be yeah, that could be fun sooner than later.
0: It absolutely could, and it's funny because Arthur Smith uh, yesterday was asked a question about DeMarco Allen and somebody point blank was just like, is he going to make the 53-man roster, and, and Arthur Smith kind of uh, shot back. and was like, did you really just ask us to, to give like a roster answer here? Um, but I think that everybody has taken note of what DeMarco Allens has done, uh, obviously, this preseason, and it started in camp, and, and he's kind of steadily risen up and getting Gotten work with the second unit, um, kind of at the expense, unfortunately, of Mike Abernathy. Um, And he really makes a lot of plays out there. He comes from Alabama, so, you know, learned under Nick Saban, still one of the very, very best uh, coaches to learn from as far as defensive back play is concerned. So he got an opportunity and absolutely has made the most of it. So I think DeMarco Allen is a really nice dark horse if if we're kind of looking at yeah fantasy football parlance uh like a sleeper pick yeah he's absolutely the sleeper pick here awesome awesome um rob who do you think
1: Who are you looking for dark horses man like i said it's on defense i i don't know uh and you guys like i said you guys uh said a lot through a lot of good ones out there i just think I think almost, and, and you guys can tell me whether you agree with this or not, I think we're almost going to have to have somebody step up within that receiving core besides the obvious guys. I think we're going to need one more. And he doesn't have to have, like, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, put up eye-popping numbers. It doesn't have to be, like, you know, breakout player of the year. But I think, I and maybe we already do, and you guys already know his name and I don't, but that, that guy that kind of, uh, you know, a guy that can get in the slot or we can move him around, but – He's just, you know, a steady, solid go-to number three wide receiver. I mean, and there's a lot of there's a lot of wide receivers in camp. If I'm not mistaken, they got a, a laundry list of guys out there uh, catching exactly. passes, looking to looking looking for a spot. If I'm not mistaken, so I think that that's for me is just because you know he does have a lot of toys. He's got a lot of weapons. You guys talked about two tight ends. He's got, you know, a Bijan Robinson who you know he could come out and and be offensive rookie of the year for all we know, or he could come out and you know kind of kind of fizzle a little bit you you never can tell these guys he's looked great in preseason but I just think a big part of that offense is going to be that third guy that you can kind of look to because you know they're going to be all over they're going to be all over pits in London as much as possible in a lot of these games and they're going to make Ritter you know uh, throw to these guys I think they're going to make him try to make some harder throws and, and, and maybe see what he's made of and then and, and see what you know see what he's got then you have the Mack truck coming across the middle. Well, I'll, man,
2: I'll take those double teams. It's it's exciting. It's exciting to think. I, I think somebody. Uh, I don't know if I was listening to ninety two nine or or what I was listening to. And they're like, just imagine a scenario where they trot out uh, Bajan and Cordero Patterson in the backfield. You got London. You got London Pitts, Hollins, and uh, Johnny Smith. Like, what what are you gonna do? What are you going to do? What, what like what do you think that they're about to do? You have no idea. It could be literally anything at that point in time. So it the, the offense is it that's going to make a great opportunity and, and I'm with you on the Kadero Hodge thing. Uh back, back healthy, he he just fits so well in this game and and, and no no knock on Scotty Miller or anything like that, but he uh at that Darryl Hodge Hodges, the third wide receiver, and I'm just I'm ear to ear smiling harder than I am right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, he he will be um, fun to watch uh, again. Hopefully, his ankle injury is, is nothing too serious. But to I mean, to your point about it, to get personnel grouping, this this offense can conceivably start a drive at the 25 yard line in 22 personnel and have the John Robinson. Cordero Patterson or Tyler Algier who I don't think necessarily gets enough credit um, as a receiver you will have Kyle Pitts you'll have Johnny Smith and Drake London out there at the same time and on any given play you can go two tight end line of scrimmage you can go you know a a wide receiver split tight in the slot and you can have a a split back in the backfield Uh, that's an option you could then go no huddle if you want and you could go absolute shotgun five man protection five wide and have five very dangerous receivers that are mismatch problems for pretty much any defense out there then you can go no huddle again and you could line up with a three receiver set and essentially be an 11 personnel with Johnu smith in the backfield um as as your actual running back so like what are you going to do there who do you keep in like the that's what i'm talking about the creative flexibility for this offense and and that's just like one set of of what they could do like it's it's just gonna be it's probably gonna take a little bit of time honestly for us to learn how to watch this <laughs> offense in in a way because it just I think could break a lot of the the norms and the standards that we're used to seeing but again that's why I'm so excited for it oh yeah what a what a great guy to be at the
2: holding
1: the controls so to speak I, I just think too that if if the role players show up, You know, we get the supporting cast, uh, kind of that solid foundation of, hey, these are our check down guys. These are guys we can go to if our superstars are covered up. And the young guys come in and contribute, and they gel, and they kind of, you know, get that chemistry going. They get that whole mojo going. I think what we're looking at is is one of those NFL offenses, and you've heard a million announcers say it, they can score at will. At at any time, they can just score at will if they want to because, like you said, what are you going to do? There's only so many you can only have so many defensive players on the field, and just looking at those schemes, it's like, well, somebody's going to be open. You can't double team everybody. One, that's where that whole uh, that third and three or third and
2: seven thing comes into play. If by chance you luck up and do cover everybody, we get a guy that can scamper out and get those yards himself. So it just it I it's part of the reason why I'm so excited about everything is because the the options the the possibilities are are endless. And, and you know it's going to take us a couple of weeks to see the wrinkles. I mean, there's uh, again, you just you just explained like one drive, one drive that could literally pop heads off shoulders if we ran that. You know, if that if that actually occurred in week one of professional football, everybody would be talking about the Falcons the next day. Win, lose, or draw.
0: Yeah, I mean, it'd be proof of concept, and and it would be uh, a, a lot of fun. And so again, that that's just where. You it like we I want to make sure that we're not kind of going too far overboard in the in the excitement direction because it is so much fun to look at on paper and like logically you can think about it. But then at the end of the day they still gotta line up on Sunday, they still gotta go execute, they still gotta do all the things and, and at some points they're gonna be in a pretty big talent discrepancy against the other team. And so are you able to execute when the guys across from really room were just better? Like all of that real stuff does come into play and so it is easy to sit here and be like what on earth are they going to do against this oh my god johnny smith in the backfield no way it's like they get paid for a reason they can figure it out but more so than any other uh team and again i like going into 2016 nobody was expecting that offense to be anything like it was and so we didn't really even have the whole off season of like oh that's going to be fun you know talk this is maybe the most exciting um conversation i think we've had about what a falcons offense can be maybe since maybe since like julio jones was at it after that uh 20 um what was that the 2010 season 2011 draft yeah so i mean maybe that
2: <laughs> no you're right And that's actually kind of a perfect segue into uh, my next question for you is where, where is your biggest worry and concern about this team going into the season?
0: I think it's still the pass rush just because it's going to be a, I'll see it when I, or I'll believe it when I see it type of thing. So kind of that is as a rule, my number one concern with the Falcons is always the pass rush. Um, But all of the, the times that I've seen so far in the preseason and in camp, you can feel the style has changed. The, the actual aggressiveness that they talk about is real. The other thing that I think is very smart that um, we don't really talk about, but when we look at Grady Jarrett and hopefully unlocking Grady Jarrett, they surrounded him with a bunch of big, big dudes. Like, guys that if the offensive line of the other team does still decide to double Grady Jarrett because he is the best player, Every one of those one-on-one blocks is going to be a very challenging one-on-one block because those guys are big and strong and can move people. So that is just going to kind of, I think, force offense's hands sometimes, and Grady will benefit. So I expect the pass rush to be better solely just from the, the additions that they've made and the growth from guys like a D'Angelo Malone and an Arnold Epikady. Um But until I see it, I, I'm going to keep that spot reserved for the pass rush and that's
2: fair that's uh, honestly mine mine just stay the same and just like you uh I until you show me differently I'm going to be afraid of the secondary I'm going to be afraid of the offensive line and uh, a little bit less because of how good we were able to run with our this almost the exact same offensive line last year but it's still a concern of mine and then the pass rush I just I have had to you know temper my expectations because like you said you look on paper and you're like, oh god, it's it's got to be better. There's how could it not be better this year? But still, <laughs> until we until we actually see it happen on Sundays, then uh, I, I'm 100 percent with you. I just the the secondary the the Okuda injury. Um, hopefully, it's uh, they're not downplaying it, and hopefully, it is something that he's going to be able to return turn to the field quickly from because I. That, that kind of excites me too. The idea of a change of scenery and potentially getting his value in Atlanta rather than in Detroit, I would, man, that would just be a huge blessing for this defense. And then obviously the, mm-hmm. the addition of Jesse Bates is is huge for us. I know he was on your your top five uh, players to watch, and he, I'm super excited about that because even though I, I really enjoyed uh, Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins back there, you know, this we've we've got a, a proven commodity and somebody that is actually going to help those guys come along as well. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I have a lot of worries. For as excited as I am, I'm still pretty worried about everything.
1: <laughs> they better that red zone too. I know they they there was some improvement last year, but with you you would think with Robinson and those guys back there this year that they, they could they could finish the drill and punch it in and and, and find a way when they get down there to score because that has been something that's been brought up but one thing you guys brought up and I and I think with that unless you have a couple more questions Mark we've heard expectations a lot I think will if you can think about it for a minute this is a uh, I'm going to send this is a message I want to send to our fan base starting the season and that's hey patience temper your expectation and understand what we have we have a lot of really cool toys we have a lot of young talent But we have some unproven talent, and we still have a coach in his first year. This is really his first year where you feel like he's kind of filled the pantry up with with the kind of goodies he likes to play with. And and this is a lot of things that some people, these Falcons fans, I don't know why they can't understand this. When Arthur and Terry came to town, this place looked kind of like a bachelor's refrigerator. There was like a sweet potato in there an old stale yeah. beer, a half-drank jug of buttermilk, and a moldy piece of celery. And they said, well, well we, can kind of, we can probably work with this. But we need, we need to get some more stuff in this. We need we get some more stuff in here. So that's what i tell everybody. 0-1, oh, 0-2, oh, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I really do believe the Falcons are going to come out, and it's a young bunch, and they're all fired up to be playing together. But just don't go looking for an overpass on 85 if things aren't quite going your way. Still, Redder is a kid. Give the kid time to develop. He's gonna take some licks. He's gonna throw some picks. He played four games last year and now he's the captain of this ship. So that's kind of my message, guys, is hey, be, it's okay to be excited. Let's not be like Tommy Boy with his pretty little pet and just, you know, just analyze it to death and rip it to shreds. Let's really enjoy what we're seeing and what's going down. Cause I think not only this year, but for years to come, I think we're I think personally we're building something very special here in Atlanta. And that that's my message. Yeah. No, I, 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 honestly, I could not have said it any better myself.
0: I, I think that you are are spot on in even even if it does start slowly, which I don't expect that it will. The the thing that we oftentimes I think forget, and and certainly this offseason, season, I, I get why. Even with the addition of Bijan Robinson, who is a running back, it's more exciting to kind of talk about him as a receiver in camp, and that's also just what we see more of these one on one drills and and whatnot. But it's very important to remember the Falcon's bread and butter is still, I think, going to be the run game. And when you have a, like, they have so many interesting skill position players that are like moons orbiting around the Jupiter that is the Falcon's run game. And we're spending all of these time, all this time looking at these moons and what the Falcons care about is, all right, this planet is going to take over this whole solar system and when you've got that run game that the Falcons can just rely on and they've added to this offseason I think I you know we probably didn't do right by Matthew Bergeron for not mentioning him as kind of the dark horse candidate as well because he's going to be a big X factor for this offense but I think he's going to be a a nice addition there especially in the run game that more than anything should be why Falcons fans should be confident going into the season is that we already saw what the Falcons can kind of do with very little success through the air and that they can still have a dominant ground game when teams pretty much know that that's just what they're going to do that they can always fall back on that and generally if teams can fall back on that they'll end up being okay when I know it's not the
2: norm anymore but the idea of the your foundation being in the running game and building a good defense that you know for as long as I've been alive has been a recipe for success in the NFL um for me too, uh the expectation, the one that I have, like when I listened to your your top five players you were excited to watch, you said uh Kyle Pitts's redemption tour. And 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 that hit me because that's that's all I want for him. All I want for him is for people like, you know, the, the injury last year, people were almost like, Oh yeah, that makes sense. He'd get injured right now. It's like almost like people had gotten to the point to where, you know, you know, he wasn't getting the ball thrown to him. Really, at all, and some of the times when he was wide open, it was nowhere near him, and so it people just kept it kept snowballing that Kyle Pitts was a wasted pick. Kyle Pitts should have been Michael Parsons. Kyle Pitts wasn't the guy. We should have never gotten him at four. You know, like all these things started happening to Kyle Pitts, and you know, every interview I saw him in, it seemed like he was taking it in stride. But so much for him, because uh, you know, as a as a Georgia fan, I watched him hurt our feelings, hurt our feelings a lot. He was, I mean, he's a, he's an amazing talent, but I want this year uh, to be his redemption tour. I want him to go out and do it. And then when he reached back in the preseason on that first drive, he reached back and snagged that ball and turned it upfield. I was like, all right, don't, I'm glad we're only getting this for one drive because all I'm going to be talking about is you for the next month until we get real football. But yeah, I, I, I want so badly for, for this to really be his redemption tour. Because if that's that's one of the things we're talking about, uh, on top of our foundation of a of a great run game, I think that means we're a really successful football
0: team. Absolutely. Yep. I think that this will be the year that you'll see. Hopefully he puts kind of the first two seasons together because I think he improved greatly as a as a run blocker and, and honestly he was using pass protection at times, much to the chagrin of fans football owners and fans alike. Um and Kyle Pitts is the uh, cautionary tale for all of this offseason hype that we have been building because we did the same thing with him last year. And then just universally, the fantasy football world turned on Kyle Pitts because, partially by the design of the offense and partially because of the um, ineptitude at the quarterback position, uh, he really underperformed. But that was less indicative of, I think, his caliber of play and, and what to expect from him moving forward than the other two reasons that I just
1: laid out. So I'm I'm right there with you. I have very high hopes for uh for Kyle Titts this fall. Well absolutely and and we've all got high hopes for everything. I, I'm sure you got high hopes for our dogs this year. They're they're on the hunt for a three peat. Our, our Atlanta Braves are uh staring down the barrel at another World Series run. But Will, I just want to tell you, man, thanks for coming on at any time. Uh, we're gonna have to get you back on maybe midseason, do a midseason review. But I, uh, I'm i going to do this, and I should probably let Mark do it because it belongs to him, but I feel like he's going to be like, yeah, sure, whatever. You're you're officially <laughs> invited to the Bird Gang tailgate down by the Tabernacle. Mark's friend Jamie has the best wing recipe you've probably ever had in your life, and I'm sure you've probably had some wings, but let me tell you something. He, oh. I'm telling you, these uh, we call them Falcon's Wings. They are, they are something to talk about. What? So feel Good. free All to right. come by at any time. But, man, guys, Will McFadden check him out on believe just like we're on there as well he's on with ovi and if you're a falcons fan i don't even need to say his last name you already know who (laughs) he is but uh will like i said man you guys stay safe in the weather good luck with the brand new addition to the family and we we really do appreciate you coming on our little podcast and giving us some credibility and we also want to thank you for being somewhat like us a lot like us and the reason why i invited you to the tailgate because i always need another atlanta sports fan to talk to that doesn't live in their emotions and understands the sport of football and baseball and other things and how uh, you know there's nobody running into, running into the Falcons locker room after the game kicking and screaming and whining They're they're all uh, they're all men and they all understand this is a game and it's a long season and it's a roller coaster ride there's a lot of things that happen so you can't you can't take every game as as the you know the end of the world but again will excellent to have you we're going to have you back uh if, if you'll come back and uh, maybe we can uh, jump on one night and uh, boost your numbers a little bit and uh, make you look good on your podcast as well.
0: <laughs> of course. Yeah, Rob, Mark, I'd, I'd love to have you guys uh, on. We'll do a, a little home-and-home home action. Um, but anytime you guys need me, you know where to find me, uh, and I am going to take you guys up on on that all, or for Falcon's Wings. I, so, uh, I... yeah,
1: looking forward to it, guys, and, and this, was, this was a blast. Absolutely. Thank you, Will. Take care. And there you have it, folks. We just got to sit down with a guy, former former writer for the Falcoholic, UGA grad, Mr. Will McFadden. He is uh, a very knowledgeable guy. If you want a good resource to uh, to learn and, and kind of get deeper into Falcons football, you can listen to us, but you can also listen to Will because Will is just all Falcons all the time. That's his podcast over there on, on, on Believe, and ours is Believe in Atlanta Sports. But, man, like I told Will, you guys say safe out there. We've been listening to the thunder crack the whole time we've been in this room. It is nasty out there tonight, one of those good old summer thunderstorms. But, guys, man, we're coming up this Saturday, this Saturday. We've got Georgia and UT Martin squaring off. And then the following Sunday, it's on like Donkey Kong, guys, down at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. It happens for real. Toe meets leather. Falcons, Panthers. I'm going to be down there in my fresh... Kyle Pitts jersey, courtesy of the commissioner. We're going to be having the Falcons wings swing by the tailgate. Tell us hello, shake our hand, talk some football with us. But other than that, guys, until then, you be safe. And we'll see you later, Atlanta. We love you. We need you.
0: Do you believe? Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you.